gratitude is a habit and lifestyle that grows from the longings and praises rooted deep within our desires and experiences. It produces a thankful heart, a grateful expression, and it reminds us that living a blessed life now is only a glimpse into what's to come. So go ahead, take a look around, and cultivate gratitude in every season. You know, November's kind of become the gratitude month, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's easy for us just kind of rush right past it. I mean, if you've been out and you've been in any of those stores, Walmart and Lowe's and Hobby Lobby and all of those, all decked out with Christmas. In fact, that, uh, that reveals one of, the, one of those big divides that I think um, separates people nowadays. Um, you know, um, just quick show of hands here. Um, how many of you already have out some, not necessarily all, but some, of your Christmas decorations. Let's see those hands. Hold them up. No, no need to be shy. No need to be ashamed. Absolutely, absolutely. And how many of you, another show of hands, another show of hands, how many of you wait until after Thanksgiving like Jesus would want us all to do? <laughs> Am I right? All right, all right. You know, um, I, I am more like this popular picture that I've seen going around on Facebook. You know, the, uh, the, the, the turkey. <laughs> wait your turn, fat man. Wait your turn. Well, starting today, we're focused on gratitude. And specifically, we are looking at it in three words. Thankful, grateful, blessed. That's an expression that's become kind of a popular theme and you could even do your online shopping and everybody's getting in on it there's all kinds of stuff and mugs and shirts and plaques that you can get and now now you can even go to new work fellowship and you can even get some of your thankful grateful blessed paraphernalia with new work fellowship on it so we're going to be camping out for three weeks on these three words thankful grateful and blessed this is how I define those three words and differentiate between the three. Thankful, it means it's an attitude of the heart. It's kind of that introspection that we have. It's internal where we see really what we have to be thankful for. Grateful, it's a way of life. That's the external where we are expressing our thanks and bless. Well, that is a faith focus where we see that eternity is in the midst of our grateful Heart. So why does gratitude matter? You know, it really always has been that way. Even Cicero, the ancient Roman um, philosopher, said gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, but the parent of all. Gratitude is perhaps the most important character trait that is all wrapped up in a life that is both thankful and grateful and blessed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses six through, or 16 through 18 puts it this way. Always be joyful. Boy, wouldn't that be something? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. He says this is God's will for you, that as a Jesus follower, you would be thankful, grateful, and blessed. And, and don't miss that that second part there, he says that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. Are you serious? All circumstances? What about bad circumstances? 
Because let's just be honest, we all have bad circumstances in our life as well. He says you are to be thankful in all circumstances. So how is it that we can be thankful? How do we prepare our hearts to be thankful? If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn and open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we'll be looking at several verses in those first two chapters of First Sam, Samuel. Uh, so you may want to keep your Bibles open today. Listen, if we've not yet met, let me introduce myself to you. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. Cool fact that you may not be aware of, last week, last Sunday, was the 17th anniversary of the first sermon that I ever preached at New Work Fellowship, November the 5th, 2006. So, quick show of hands, how many of you were not here on November 5th, 2006? Look around, and God bless. That is, that is, in, that is incredible. And speaking of last week, um, you may remember that I wasn't here last Sunday. You might recall from the video, our intention was to be at a missions conference. I need to confess to you today, we didn't make it to the missions conference. As many of you know, um, Diana's mother passed away on November the 1st, the day after we did those videos. Um, it has been a really tough nine months of Diana caring for her mother, who has been in a very rapid decline. And let me just publicly express to you my gratitude for every single expression of compassion and kindness that you've shown to Diana. You know, after 40 years in ministry, I don't think there is a tougher job than being the pastor's wife. And I can just tell you, it is often a very lonely spot. And today I don't hesitate to ask you, would you just keep praying for her? Would you just keep encouraging her? Would you just keep on loving her? As a pastor, I do you a disservice if I do not tell you when we need your prayers. Even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote those words about be thankful in all circumstances, just a few verses later, this is what he wrote to the church. And he said, Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. And so humbly I stand before you today, and I just ask you to pray for us. Well, let's turn our attention to the Scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And right now we're just going to read that one verse. But we're looking at the story of Hannah, which takes up the first two chapters of the book of Samuel. And this is kind of the concluding declaration of a thankful grateful heart when Hannah speaks these words 1st Samuel chapter 2 verse 1 
She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. And I rejoice because you rescued me. Now, in order to understand the impact and the power of her words here, you have to go back and you need to unpack the story of difficulty and pain that she experienced in her life. Because her journey is a clue in helping us to prepare our hearts for being thankful. And you may not like this, but if you're going to make your heart more thankful, then the first thing you have to do is, number one, you have to begin in your pain. You have to begin in your pain. Now, I know that doesn't sound right, does it? That's not usually the way that we think about being thankful or, or being grateful. But how many of you are old enough to remember that old hymn that we used to always sing this time of year, the, the hymn that was entitled, Count Your Blessings? Anybody remember that old hymn? You know, I'm guessing that, that there are some of you that are as old as me, and you can remember that hymn. In fact, you might even remember some of the lyrics of that hymn. It said in, in the refrain, the chorus, it said over and over again, Count your many blessings, name them... Now, there's a lot of old folks here in the room today. One by one, you're right. Count your many blessings. See what? See what God has done. But you know what? That song was actually spot on because if you go back and look closely at the lyrics in that song, it really wasn't talking about all the good stuff in life, all the, all the blessings and the benefits of life. In fact, if you go back and listen to some of the verses, it said this in that song, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. That's just a fancy way of saying when you're in a storm. It said, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? You see it? The song even tells us that thanksgiving actually begins in our pain. And that is precisely what you learn from the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. I would encourage you. This afternoon, spend some time, go back and sit with this story and read it and, and, and remember the story. Now, the story of Hannah, is it, it all revolves around a crisis in her life in that she was barren. She couldn't have a child, just like Sarah and Abraham, just like Rachel and Jacob. They, they couldn't, have a, couldn't have a child. And that pain in her life, that burden, her brokenness, was, was only intensified by the reality that somebody came up with an idea that what her husband, in this case Elkanah, what her husband needed was, was really a substitute wife that would then have the children. You'll remember, Sarah had Hagar in the marital tent. And Rachel, her, well, her, her handmaid, Bilhah, was the one who, who gave her husband children. And let me tell you, it was a horrible idea the first time. It was a horrible idea the second time. And it was still a horrible idea the third time when you come to it in this story. And the point of the story of Hannah is this. It is a, it is a woman, it is a person in great pain. And let me just guess that there are some of you 
in this room and right now on your journey and in the walk of life where you find yourself where you are in a time of great pain your pain doesn't have to be exactly the same as her pain it, it might be but your pain is no less heavy and let me tell you there there are at least three different kinds of pain for hannah and the first pain was the pain of disappointment this isn't just how life was supposed to be this ought to have been a season in her life that was full of joy and blessing and abundance and in many ways life was just so disappointing do you ever find yourself there have you ever found yourself in that place where you are thinking to yourself it just isn't supposed to be like this that's the pain of disappointment but that wasn't the only pain you have to add to that people pain the people around her added to her pain in fact in a minute you're going to see just how clueless her husband is but we're going to save that for for uh, a moment but the hurt in her heart is only compounded by the people that surrounded her in fact if you go back to chapter one in verse 4 and 5, we're given this description. On the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifice, in other words, these are festival days, these are, these are celebration days, these are important moments in life. On the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifices, he would give portions of the meat to Penaniah, she was the substitute wife, and each of her children... And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Listen, the closer someone is to you, the more pain they can inflict on you. And sometimes it's completely inadvertent but it is wounding all the more hannah had to feel what we often feel how is it that these people can treat me this way but that wasn't all she had disappointment pain she had people pain but then look at verse six so Penaniah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Are you ready for this? She had God pain. Everyone told Hannah, God did this to you. God caused this. That's why you don't have children. It's God. Now let me ask you to do something here. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because let me tell you, sometimes you need to read the Bible and you need to understand the Bible not only reveals to us what we need to know about God, the Bible also reveals and reflects to us what we often think about 
God? Did God with cruelty and malice single her out and keep her from having children? I'm just going to tell you that is one way that you can read this story. And I would say this, in her pain, that is exactly what it felt like to Hannah. And there are times in all of our lives when we will also be disappointed with God. In fact, we might be so disappointed that we begin to believe, you know what, I think, I think God's against me. He, he's, he's just against me. And what I want to tell you on this journey towards thankfulness is you've got to be honest in your pain. You have to be able to express it, to feel it. In fact, that's why the Bible gives us this, this type of scripture that's called a lament. Do you, do you know what a lament is? It's a, it's a fancy Bible word that means crying out in pain. And let me tell you, there are laments that go all the way through the scriptures. In fact, one of the books of the Bible is named Lamentations because it's all laments, one right after another, where we cry out and express our pain. In fact, I was reading one of those uh, this week, and I thought, boy, this, I bet this is exactly how Hannah must have felt. Listen, listen to these words and think about her situation and what she was in. And see if these words don't sound like what she must have been feeling. Lamentations 3, beginning with verse 15. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. And I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. And the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been that honest? Listen, a truly thankful heart is actually born in moments just like that. You've got to feel it before you can move beyond it. But then... In that same lament that I just read to you, I want you to hear what the next word is, beginning in verse 21. It says this, yet, expresses honestly all the pain, yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. 
Listen, if you want to cultivate a thankful heart, you've got to, number one, begin in your pain, and then number two, you make your turn. And listen, I've invited uh, Justin Eschenbaugh, one of our residents, who's going to come and share this next part. If you would, would you just give a warm welcome to Justin as he comes? Just a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I sat in student worship when Justin was teaching on what is a very difficult and heavy topic, and he did such a great job. And Justin, we're looking forward to hearing you today. Thank you, Kevin. Well, this is my turn, uh, and I want you to know, you need to know this, Kevin did not let me write any of this. So if it's not any good, that's all on him, okay? <laughs> But we're talking about beginning in our pain and then taking a turn. But to make a turn, it doesn't mean that you ignore that pain. It doesn't mean that you uh, just gloss over the pain and loss because that's denial and that leads to all kinds of struggles. If you still have your Bible, turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. You see, Kevin was talking about Hannah's pain and how it was long-lasting. You know, He was talking about how she was barren uh, month after month after month, and she had this constant reminder that she was, but not only that, everything in her life was colored with this disappointment. So let's read, starting in verse 7. Year after year, it was the same. Penaniah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle, and each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And if that's not bad enough, her husband, he just doesn't get it. Let's, let's continue reading. Read verse 8 with me. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Look, I'm not married. But even I know that is an incredibly stupid thing for a husband to say. Let's, let's have another show of hands, just the ladies in the room. If you found what Elkanah just said comforting, will you raise your hand right now? Let's take a moment and count. None. No, no one found that that is comforting at all. You see, making your turn doesn't mean ignoring it. It doesn't mean ignoring your pain. It doesn't mean making little of your pain. But you have to make a turn. Watch this. Hannah makes a turn. She turns to the Lord, and she turns to prayer. She goes and she has this encounter with this man called Eli, who's a priest of God. And at first, he adds to her people pain because he accuses her of being drunk. But then she pours out her heart and listen to what happens. Uh, jump over to verse 17. In that case, Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of them. Oh, thank you, sir, Hannah exclaimed. And then she went back and she began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. What does it mean, or what does it mean when it says she's, she went back? She went back. She went right back to the place where she had just come from. She went right back to her clueless husband, she went right back to her abusive sister wife. She went right back to the exact same place in the exact same condition as before. But there's a change. 
It says that she eats. Verse 7 had said that she had not eaten, that she would just in sadness. But verse 18 tells us that she began to eat and she was no longer sad. So what's changed? What has changed? Does she have a child? No. Is she pregnant? Is there a baby on the way? No. Is her husband any smarter? Probably not. Is her tormentor, is her abusive sister wife any nicer? I doubt it. So what is the change? In her pain, she has resolved to make her turn. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 puts it this way. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is the term. Fix your thoughts. The word that Paul uses here in Philippians is logizomai. It's an accounting term. It means to count or to weigh or uh, put it in the plus column, so to speak. So in other words, it's change the way you think. Shift your focus. It's not just that you're going to experience loss and pain, but you shift your thinking to remember God is still with me. It's not just that you're going to have disappointment, but fix your thoughts to remember that God still has a plan for me. It's not just that you are dealing with injustice in an unfair world, but we need to put it in the plus column and remember that we have a God who is still in control. Listen, it's a hard turn, right? But it's an important turn, and that's Hannah's story because, listen, uh, if Hannah can do that, if Hannah can make that change, then so can you. Hannah's story is all about our story. Back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And then in verse 6, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. There's a theologian, his name is Karl Barth, and he called this a continual, defiant, nevertheless. And that's how Hannah made her turn. This continual, defiant, nevertheless. And Kevin's going to come back now. And he's going to talk to you about this next thing, doing your inventory. All right. Thank you, Justin. Good job, man. So in order to prepare our hearts to be thankful, you've got to begin in your pain. But then you need to make that turn, and that turn is all about our thoughts, and that brings us and prepares us for the third thing, which is do your inventory. You see, a thankful heart grows out of a thoughtful mind. How do we fix our thoughts? How do we count it all joy, as James put it in his letter? How do we be thankful in all circumstances? 
Let me tell you, in a word, I think the key is doing an inventory. In fact, let me give you three words to help you write your own thankful inventory. And those words are people, places, and things. People, places, and things. And so you start to write your own inventory. So this is what I want to do for you. I want to model for you what an inventory can look like and how it can help you fix your thoughts. And I want you to watch how it will cultivate a thankful heart. But then you need to do your own life inventory as well to look and see how God has blessed. So listen, as I would do um, my inventory, I would begin with people. And as I think about people and reasons that I have to be thankful, I would say, you know, I am thankful for the godly parents that I had. Now, they're both gone now, and as you as a church have witnessed, the last two years were, were really tough. But gosh, my, my mom and dad were just, they were an incredible blessing. They set an example of godliness for me. They poured into me and invested in me and my family. And when I think about them and the legacy of their lives, I am so thankful. And let me tell you, I, I'm thankful for Diana. And I know for many of you, you don't really know her. But let me just tell you, she is an absolute treasure. She is my stability in all of life. She has, she has been my cheerleader from the outset of our relationship. She puts up with me so well with grace and with kindness. She is a comfort to me. And let me tell you, there are few things that I would rather listen to than just to eavesdrop in those moments when she is praying out loud. She's a treasure. I'm thankful for my girls. You know, when I was 32 and was hospitalized and doctors were giving me information about the reality that I may not survive, and my girls were six and four. I remember thinking, man, the only thing I want is to see those girls grow up. And what a joy it has been to watch those little girls grow into grown women and the wonderful women that they have become. They are incredible moms. They are women of faith. And the truth is, they haven't even resented unnecessarily the life of therapy that they need for having grown up in a preacher's home. Y'all laugh, but I'm just saying. And gosh, this is a good thing. I remember those hard years when they were in their adolescence, and I began to wonder, how in the world is God ever going to find a guy that's going to be the right match for them? But what an incredible pairing God did by adding those two sons to our family. And you know, I am thankful for my grands. Man, we could camp out here the rest of the afternoon and I could show you picture after picture, story after story. But let me just say, the Bible isn't kidding when it says that grandchildren are the are the crown of the aged. They are a joy. When I think of people, I have to stop and give thanks for the people on my team. 
the pastors and the elders and our staff. I remember when I was in seminary sitting in class and there was an old preacher who was teaching all of us young pastors and he said this. He said, listen, all you young preachers, y'all want the same thing. You can't wait until you're at a church large enough to have a staff. But I want you to know what comes with a staff. When you have a church staff, you're going to have staff infection. I remember thinking, I can't wait till I grow up and I can be an old grumpy preacher. Let me tell you, it's just not so. It's just not so. Listen, I love my elders. They are such an encouragement to me. This year, our goal as elders was simply this. We wanted to go deeper with each other. And man, let me just tell you, it has been something else. They are such a blessing. And I am so grateful for our pastors. Listen, not only the pastors we have now, but the pastors that we've had in the past. We are so blessed. And for that reason, I'm not even stressed over the vacancies that we have on our team because I've seen this happen over and over again that God brings in somebody else and it's like, wow, look what God did. And I'm just excited to see what he's about to do. And I really don't call our staff our staff. I call them a team because they are a team. I wish you could be a a fly on the wall sometime when we're having our team meetings. Let me tell you, there is always so much laughter in the room and they all give me such great joy and i could talk about friends and 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 all the friends that we've had over the years but let's move on to places not only am i thankful for people i'm thankful for places i've been blessed to live in some incredible places i remember our first church New Hope Baptist Church, a little church out in the country outside of Springfield, Kentucky. Next year, it'll have been 40 years since we went there. And man, they just took me under their wings when I was just a young 22-year-old kid. And they blessed us, and they loved us, and they were kind to us and, and encouraged us. We left there and went to a church in Lebanon, Kentucky. And let me tell you, some of the best friends that I've ever had in life to this very day are the folks that we met there. They are such a blessing. And then we spent six years in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And at that church, God began to teach me about vision and leadership and generosity and how all of those things go together in pursuing the vision that God gives. And I was so grateful for that. And then we went through a season of struggle. We had some hard years as well. I've shared with some of you the struggles that we went through for a time when we lived in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and then that led to a season in Colorado. And let me tell you, those hard years, they stretched us. Those were the years when we learned to walk by faith. And all of those years of hardship, let me tell you, they brought us right here to New Work Fellowship. And I am so thankful for you and for this church. I tell people all the time, man, it is like it is just a dream to be able to be the pastor at New Work Fellowship. I know countless pastors who all of their life never have the joy of serving in a place like I get to. It's a church that trusts 
and invest in leadership. You have faithfully pursued that vision of every man, woman, and child to know, grow, and go in Christ. And, and I wish I could even put into words and share with you what this last Thursday night, night of worship meant to me and what I sense the Lord saying to me. It is such a blessing to be able to serve you as a church. You are a generous church. I can't begin to tell you how much I enjoy the blessing ministry that we have as a church. Some of you may not be aware of it. Back, back in 2020, you remember that fun year? Uh, in 2020, we as a leadership team took twenty or $50,000 and set it aside just as we heard about people that were in need, we wanted to bless people. We just followed a nudge, and we set aside that money to be a blessing to people in need. Listen, since that time, we have now given away in excess of a quarter of a million dollars, and that fund still has a balance this past week of in excess of $60,000. Do you have any idea how much fun it is to bless people and then to tell them, it's not from us, it's from your heavenly Father who knows your need even before you ask? I tell some of my preacher buddies, and they're like, what? Are y'all crazy? I'm just telling you, God's doing some incredible things here. So I'm thankful for people. I'm thankful for places. And I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful for things. Listen, by the time you get to this point in your inventory, when you begin to write down all the blessings in your life, you're going to begin to look around and go, all I see are blessings in our life. I'm thankful for the home we live in. I'm thankful for the opportunity of travel. I've been on four continents in this one year, and it, is, it has been incredible to see what God is doing. I'm thankful for technology. Now, anybody that knows me will tell you I am technology uh, challenged. Nothing ever works like it's supposed to work. But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for things like social media. Oh, I know, I know all the things that it does wrong. But how cool is it that on your birthday you hear greetings from people that you went to elementary school and high school and college and all those churches and all those friends and, and they're all in your thoughts and in your mind for a moment. And yes, I'm thankful even for my truck. You knew I was going to have to say that. Do you see what an inventory does? Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's loss. At times, it's just absolutely overwhelming. But when you do a thorough inventory, it puts it all in perspective. Listen, in life, there is death and illness and broken relationships and justice, injustice, but there is still God. And even in the broken stories in your life, there is still God. The Apostle Paul, I think he must have been writing his inventory when he wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. He said this, When I think of all of this, when you think of all of your inventory, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray 
that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you put your trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may all God's people should, and may you know as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with him, the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Listen, what Paul said is there's one other thing that you need to be giving thanks for in your inventory. And you need to fill this in. You need to give thanks for Jesus. Did you hear what he said in verse 19? May you experience the love of Christ though it's too great to fully understand. Listen, Jesus, he needs to show up in your story. And yes, in your pain. In fact, he even showed up in Hannah's story. That declaration of praise where we read the first verse at the beginning of the message, I want you to hear the last thing she says down in verse 10. She says this, he gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. That phrase anointed one in the Hebrew, that's the word Messiah. She's talking about Jesus. Even the Messiah, Jesus, shows up in her story. The most important thing you can do to cultivate in your heart thankfulness to make sure that Jesus is in your heart. Because I'm telling you, Jesus changes everything. And Jesus changes you. So be sure that you give your heart to him and he will give your life reason for endless thanks. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we give you thanks for Jesus because he really is everything we thank you for the way in which you work in our hearts and in our lives and father we pray that in this moment as we reflect and we take inventory on our lives we would consider the question have I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior my prayer my hope is that many in this room today would take that step of faith putting their trust in the one who can change everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.